Joshua chapter 1. We'll read some verses from there. We'll read from verse 1 uh, all the way to 11. The word of the Lord reads as follows. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' minister, Moses, my servant, is dead. So now arise, take his place, go over this Jordan, you and all this people, into the land which I'm giving to them, the Israelites. Let me stop a moment to say I'm reading from the Amplified Version. So mine might give a little more embellishment, a little more um, in terms of what the, the thought of the actual writer was sharing. Um, okay, so verse 2. Let's go to verse 3. I already read verse 2. Every place upon which the sole of your foot shall tread, that have I given to you as I promised Moses. From the wilderness and this Lebanon to the great river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites, Canaan to the great Mediterranean Sea on the west shall be your territory. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so shall I be with you. I will not fail you nor forsake you. Be strong confident and of good courage for you shall cause this people to inherit the land which I swore to their fathers to give them only you be strong and very courageous that you may do according to all the law which Moses my servant commanded you turn not from it to the right hand or to the left that you may prosper wherever you go this book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth but you shall meditate on it day and night that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it for then you shall make your way prosperous, and then you shall deal wisely and have good success. Have I not commanded you, be strong, vigorous, and very courageous. Be not afraid, neither be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Then Joshua commanded the officers of the people, saying, Pass through this camp and command the people to prepare your provisions, for within three days you shall pass over this Jordan and you, uh, to go to take possession of the land which the Lord your God is given to you to possess. Amen. Father, we thank you for your word. Thank you for your kindness, your love, your tender mercies. Thank you, thank you for wisdom, for direction. We love you, Lord. We're so grateful that you're with us. You never leave us nor forsake us. Thank you that you've made us to be people of purpose, people of destiny. Thank you. Uh, not only did you save us, but you made us part of your family. So we are, we are your sons and daughters today. And we are grateful to you. We thank you. Dear Holy Spirit, I pray that you minister to us today. I pray that you think through my mind, speak through my lips, and let your name be glorified in this day. And greatly benefit your people with your presence, with your wisdom, with your peace, with your joy. Glorify your name. And we thank you for it. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. You may be seated in the presence of God. The story of Joshua greatly touches me and impacts me because I see a man that was faithful serving somebody else for somewhat 35 to 40 years. And then suddenly this great leader, whom everybody depend on, dies. And now God suddenly speaks to Joshua and tells him, my servant is dead, now you arise. And the Amplified Version says this, take his place, go over the Jordan. But it doesn't stop there. 
he says this, you and all the people. So one of the things that we need to be very conscious of, and that is that when God raises you up, he's thinking about a people. A lot of messages today, you hear them on TV, hear them on the radio, in many churches, they're more bless me messages. And there's a place for that. God wants to bless us. We're his children. But why does he bless us? Part of it is because he's thinking about somebody else. There's always somebody that needs to be delivered, and there's always somebody that God is raising up as a deliverer. So part of God's blessing to you is he gives you an overflow. Say to your neighbor, he gives us an overflow. He doesn't give us just enough. God's a more than enough God. He's an exceeding abundantly God. There's no such thing as lack in his kingdom. I love that about Almighty God. Here we're always talking about lack. Here we're always saying there's just not enough. I mean, I wish we had more. Our God doesn't deal that way. He's the owner of the heavens and the earth. Wouldn't you like to have a daddy like that? How many of you would, would really be appreciated, uh, uh, would really appreciate to be like Trump's uncle or Trump's, you know, niece or nephew? Nah? You would, right? I mean, it wouldn't be cool. You just go to, let's say, I need a car. And, oh, no problem, man. Here's a check. Get yourself whatever car you want. Come on, be honest with me. Wouldn't you want a family member like that? But the truth of the matter is, the Almighty God is the owner of all the gold and the silver, the cattle on a thousand hills, so to speak. He's the owner. And his desire is to bless us, and not just bless us, to, but to make us conduits of blessing for others. And that's the linchpin. When we understand that and we start becoming blessings for others, now God says, now she got it. Now he got it. Because most people are still at that first level. Father, bless me. The higher levels of love, which is agape, there are different types of love. There, there's there's an uncommitted kind of love. And most of us here on the earth, we can deal with that. We have, yeah, I love you. I love you, New York. You know, the, you know the, the singers come in. They don't love you. They love the fact that you're there and you pay $200 per ticket. It's an uncommitted kind of love. Then you've got the eros love. In the Greek, it says eros, which is just a physical love. Man, that, that girl is hot. Whoa, I love her. No, you don't. You, you, you know, you just, you, 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 your flesh is just leaping up at that moment. But many of you know, you've had friends, and maybe some of you, you fell in love with a face. Until you realize there was a person behind a face. And that person was nasty. The true colors came out. But nobody here in this church. You all fell in love with the right perfect person, never had any trouble in any relationship. Now here, the church down the road, they have a lot of problems, a lot of issues. But you guys, you're perfect. You hit the bullseye the very first time. Yeah, right. <laughs> and then there's, there's the highest level of love. Or there's another one. There's the family love. And you and I know that many family members do not talk to each other, can't stand each other. So even that love is limited. Then the highest level of love is agape. That's, you know, Jesus showed agape. He died for us when we were still enemies with him or when we were still separate, separated from God. He loved us. How many of you appreciate that love? I do. I appreciate it with all my heart. He saw me when I didn't see him. He loved me when I didn't know him. 
He thought about me and my substance and my future and my destiny when I wasn't even caring about him. That's agape. And this is the level that we grow up into. You get saved, you get delivered, but you still have a lot of that old behavior. And that's all right, because now you go through a process. So say to your neighbor, listen, be patient with me. I'm going through the process. We're all going through a process. I've been in the Lord now 30, 38 years or so. I'm still going through a process. But I, I know a lot more than I did 20 years ago. I know a lot more than I did 30 years ago. I've grown up quite a bit during that time. But the beauty about it is that when we flow through agape or flow in agape, that's when God says, ah, now my son, my daughter is getting it. Now I, I can promote them into higher levels of authority and I can pass more resources through their hands. Because the most dangerous thing is you give a, give a prideful, arrogant person a lot of money or give them a promotion. Some of you know it in your jobs. You, get a, you, you give the wrong guy a promotion, that's it. Job is going to be hell on earth for the next six months until they fire that guy or that gal. No, I'm serious. Worst thing in the world is to promote a guy with a bad attitude or a gal with a bad attitude. Even Hollywood won't tolerate that. You, you, get, you get movie stars with bad attitudes. After a while, they, they will take care of them. And, and how about a football player with a bad attitude? We all know what happens to them. They get sat down. Basketball players with bad attitudes. And they go further. Sometimes they trade them. But the league themselves would impose penalties. And we're not talking about $10 penalty. I'm talking about $20,000. Know, you can't play for 50 days. Every game they play is like $20,000 that you take away from their pocket depending on the player, right? They don't tolerate that. It's not a good thing. But you give the right person resources, the right person a promotion, what happens? Well, the Bible says when a righteous king comes into place, the people rejoice. That's what ends up happening because now that person understands he's been put there for a certain time to be able to share resources, to be able to make things right, to be able to bring peace in that particular job or that business. So God is looking for people that have the right heart to bless them. And the word blessing is empower to prosper, to give them resources to accomplish the very thing that he called them to do. And when he called Joshua, he had tested Joshua for many years. And remember what I told you last week, when God was ready to give the people of God their inheritance, Moses sent 12 leaders, not rookies, leaders, into the land to spy it out, to do a reconnaissance, and he wanted to know what are the best roads to infiltrate through, how many cities, how many people in any, every, every town. So when these spies went in, when these leaders went in, they canvassed the place and they came back with a report. Ten of these leaders who represented a tribe, each one represented a tribe, came back confessing that the land was in truth. It was plenteous, it was vigorous, it was wonderful. There were many trees, uh, much fruit and vegetables, a lot of land, you know, very fruitful place, beautiful place. But there were giants in the land. There were warriors that were a lot taller than them, and they were afraid. Listen, God is right in that he says it's a beautiful land, but we can't take that land. Those people are too powerful for us. And, and apparently they heard that those people were downright nasty. They, they weren't 
content in just kicking you out or putting you in prison. They would take no prisoners. They said they would devour their enemies. Whoa, that's pretty bad. So 10 guys come back and they literally release upon all the other people a spirit of fear. A philosophy, a mindset of fear. We can't do this, Moses. We know God said, but apparently God doesn't know. We can't do this. But two spies came back. Two leaders came back and said, whoa, hold on a second. If God said it, we can do it. God knows something those people don't know. Matter of fact, these people will be our food. But they listened to the ten over the two. So for 40 years, those people just went around the desert. They could not enter because they decided to trust fear or trust worry or trust the wrong picture over trust God. So all those people died. The only ones that remained were the children and Joshua and Caleb, the original two guys that believed God way back when. And so now when God's ready to promote someone, who did he promote? The complainers? The gossipers? And, and this, is, this is a problem we have in churches too. It's not just in the world. In the church, we have many gossipers. Always gossiping about everything. Always complaining about everything. Always murmuring about everything. Not understanding that gossiping and murmuring and complaining are one of the chief cardinal vehicles to get you out of your purpose. They separate you from the purpose of God. They separate you from the very strength that will allow you to inherit, to, to inherit that which God has called you to have. Not just for you, but for others. Because when he calls you, he calls you not just to be blessed, but he calls you as a deliverer. He calls you as someone that could be a blessing to somebody else. So now fast forward, Joshua's being called. God is speaking to me. He's going, whoa, God is speaking to me. He says, Moses, my servant is, is dead, but now you take his place. And the first thing he, he reminds him, you and this people. So right now, there are a people that are waiting for you. People in this community, people in your job, your family, your friends. When you guys go out into the street and you share, God is connecting you with somebody that all along he wanted you to connect with. But he was waiting for you to get ready. So say to your neighbor, there's somebody we need to touch. Hallelujah. There's somebody that God is calling us to touch. Somebody that God is calling us to impact. And then he said, you have to be strong to do this. God acknowledged to Joshua that it's going to be a battle. Say to your neighbor, it's going to be a battle. See, anything you get in God, you're going to have to fight for it. See, but the beauty about it is you don't need to fight to win. You just need to fight to possess it because God already gave you the victory. There's a difference. See, and I say this a lot, but I'll say it again. If you're in a fixed fight, and you know already, you sat down behind the scenes, and you know the guy's going down on the third round, you could be big and bad. You could be bold. You could, you could run around the first two rounds and be, you know, show off, and, and you just know you're going to win. Amen. That's the thing when we walk with the Lord. He is our elder brother. He already defeated death, hell, and the grave. He already defeated the enemy. So when he says, go and take it because I've given it to you, he already won it for us. Right. All we need to do is be confident, bold and trust him because we're going to see a lot of scary things recession is scary when you lose your job that's scary when you go to your family and they reject you that's scary when you have a strong disagreement in your family or with your wife or with your husband that can get scary 
when your, when your children are going through issues. That can be scary. But make no mistake about it. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Yes. Hallelujah. God has given you that extraordinary. See, he put that extra in your ordinary. To be able not just to overcome, but to thrive. God just doesn't want you to get to the place where you're just making it. He wants you to more than make it. He wants you to thrive. He wants you to have your cup running over. Because when you have your cup running over, it'll run over to those all around you. Hallelujah. But we have to shift from that fear-worry-based mentality. We have to shift from letting people dictate who we are. I'm speaking to somebody right now. Some of you believe your friends over what God says about you. Some of you have believed that nasty word that your family told you, that rejection, rejection factor, all that nonsense that was spoken to you because somebody was jealous about you. In school, somebody was jealous about you. Somebody just wanted to be a bully. But I, I submit to you today that the bully is not more powerful than Almighty God. The only thing that bully has over you is if you decide to believe what they're saying. Somebody might tell you I'm worthless. Somebody might tell me I'm worthless. But you know what I tell them? I don't receive that. I reject that categorically because God loves me. I am a child of God. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. If God birthed me into the kingdom, I'm his son. So if I'm his son, I am a prince. You don't mess with a prince. And you know what I like about it? Everybody's criticizing the princess and the prince. You know, they're criticizing them, trying to bring them down. And you know, they still walk regally. It's almost like they're ignoring all the crowds. And, they were... and people say, ah, I think he's being bad. Ah, he's just lucky. Regardless, he's ignoring you. Because he's well trained. Because in the house, they taught him who he is. They taught her who she is. Long training to make sure that when they go out in there, into the world, they ooze a certain aura of royalty. What are you oozing today? Are you oozing a Joshua royalty? Or are you oozing, a, 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 you know, the desert stinking dead stuff? Because ten spies never made it. They died in the desert. So I'm sure that didn't look good. I'm sure there was no beauty to that. See, when I want to walk that when I walk... People go, ooh, got some royalty there. And then it gives me the benefit to be able to talk to them of who I'm connected with. Because it's all about him. See, and I point to him. I point to his goodness. I point to his tender mercies. I point to his grace and favor. So who are you pointing to? Your words, who do they point to? God told Joshua, be strong, be courageous, meditate on my word day and night. And the word meditate means speak to yourself his word day and night. Continually speak it to yourself day and night. This is because then you will make your own way prosperous. God did not say that he will make them prosperous. God said that if you meditate on my word, you will make your own way prosperous. Hallelujah. Amen. So what is our responsibility? Our responsibility is to take God's word into our heart and then confess it. Wherever we go, confess it on the job, confess it in the train, confess it to ourselves, confess it when we're walking down the way, confess it in the car, put on the Christian music and sing the, the, the music, amen, because a lot of that is worship unto the Lord and, and His Word, hallelujah. I don't listen to music, ah, kill him, kill him, kill him, bust him up, bust him up, bust him up, kill him, kill him, kill him, kill him all, kill him all, kill him all. 
I don't listen to that stuff because it doesn't help me. After a while, I want to kill somebody. <laughs> yeah, so, so music is just out. They're out of their minds. And then they're getting paid for it. It's really a sad thing, really a sad thing. My God. So then immediately they went to the people. They get ready because in three days we're entering in. In three days we're entering in. In three days we're going in. See, there was no question about it. Before when Moses said, you know, God's given us the land. They said, we can't. There are giants in the land. This time this crew knew different. This time when God said it, they said, hey, God said it. We're going to do it. We're not going to think anything else. If anybody gets in our way. And then even in, in, in chapter 2, they said, um, leader, Joshua, if anybody gets in your way, we'll take care of them. See, they didn't want nobody messing with their future and destiny. And this is our problem. We let anybody mess with our destiny. We, don't, we let anybody mess with our future. Oh, you're not going to do anything. Ah, you're full of it. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, you're right. You, you got to stop that. You have to rise up above that. Who was it that's saying it? Maybe yesterday one of the guys were talking about the eagle that goes down and is able to, Brother Lee mentioned that, what a, amazing, he goes down, he's not, he doesn't care about, he looks, he f- finds the fish, just catches them. And, and Brother Lee yesterday showed us his entire fishing gear. This man has more fishing gear than all the fishermen in Long Island. Yeah, he put it out there and he started talking about, as long as you know the pattern, you could replicate it, you could recreate it. We had so much fun with that. And, and I loved it. But then he said, you know, it's interesting. I, I need all of this. I need to spend out. With, I'm sure he spent years pretty much working with all that tackle and uh, what do you call it? Fly fishing? And what, what's that? Those little things called? The lures? Yeah. He spent years working on those lures. I mean, they're beautiful, unique. And yet, the eagle goes down. Oh, here it is. Boop, and takes the food. The eagle's got something we don't have. And yet the Bible, those that trust in the Lord, the Bible says, those that trust in the Lord shall be like the eagle. Amen. So God gives us an insight, a wisdom to be able to get our provision. So what if this closes down? God's just about ready to open seven more places. For every door that closes, God will open seven more. Because there is no lack in the kingdom of God. We just need to flow with his wisdom. So Joshua's promotion was given not for fame. It was not given for glory, but to help a people to enter into their inheritance and purpose. Could it be that God's ready to promote you because he's about ready to bless a community? He's about ready to bless a city? He's about ready to bless your family? Sometimes you are your family's answer. Sometimes you are a community's answer. Sometimes you are a city's answer. In the 70s, 60s, and 80s, much of the church shut down, and they stopped seeking office. They stopped creating businesses. Much of the church, they just started waiting for the imminent return of the Lord Jesus. And that was a big mistake because other people took their place. Other people got in into places of authority. And, and, and today, when we look, we see a great absence of great men and women of God who are sitting in pulpits all throughout the United States. Well, God is calling out to us. And he's telling us, if I'm calling you, it's because there's a people that need you. So we need to break out of that level of love which says, well, you know, what do you have for me? I'll give you, but you got to give me. And we got to get to that level of agape when we're ready to bless and go above and beyond. Why? Because somebody needs it. Hallelujah. It's going to take me out of my comfort zone, but they need it. I'm going to have to work a little harder, but they need it. I'm going to have to dedicate some time, but they need it. I'm going to have to pray more, but they need it. 
Hallelujah. I'm going to have to seek God more, but they need it. I'm going to have to stop doing all this stuff, but they need it. Joshua, get ready because in three days you're on your way in. And you're bringing in a people. Hallelujah. So say to your neighbor, get ready. Because you're ready to get a people into their inheritance. Hallelujah. See, ten guys saw the giants. But two guys said, we are giant killers. Are you a giant killer here today? Or are you in the midst of your greatest worry? Some of you, yeah, that's right. My worry this year is better than all the years I've had. I am so proud of my worry. Ten of these guys received a mental picture that literally froze them and stopped them from entering into their inheritance. But two guys received a mental picture from God. We can do it. Actually, Caleb at age 85 said, Joshua, give me my mountain because I need to bless my people. I've waited all these years. I've been faithful. Now give me my mountain. At age 85, Caleb went in with his warriors and dispossessed all the giants in that land. And what happened? He took the land, and what did he do? Bless the people with it. Hallelujah. Ten of them focused on their past. Two focused on the future that God presented to them. Ten of them made excuses because of their impending failure, because things were too hard. But two focused on opportunities. Are you aware that during your greatest struggle, you have hidden in that your greatest opportunities? In your greatest struggles are contained the seeds of your greatest victories. Yes. And think about it. I've said this before. Think about this. Why do you get paid? To work. Is it not to solve a problem? To handle a problem? A doctor gets paid for what? Not just diagnosing, handle a problem. Secretaries handle problems. They really do. They organize. They, they, they keep their supervisor's life you know, in order. Take the stress away from them. Managers, they handle problems. They're called people. <laughs> really. So to the degree that you can find a problem, deal with it, handle it, and fix it, You'll get paid. We spend most of our life running away from problems. Yet the problem is the one that's going to give you the promotion. I got three, I got three amens on it. The, the rest of the people saying, I don't care. I don't want problems. I don't like problems. The truth of the matter is, the more problems you solve, the more needed you are. The more people will call you. The more people will seek you out. If people find out you're a problem solver, they'll go to your door, knock on your door, and say, listen, I'll pay you whatever it is that you need. I need you. I need you to solve my problem. Firemen, they solve a problem. Police officers solve problems. Just go down the line. We run away from problems. We don't want any problem. We think that... God's blessing is absolute and total absence of issues. Wrong. 
when Jesus was on the boat and the disciples with him, suddenly a storm arose. What happened with uh, the disciples? They got nervous. They got scared. They became afraid. Why? Because of the storm. Where was Jesus? He was sleeping in the midst of a storm. He was at peace in the midst of a storm. Say to neighbor, Jesus was at peace in the middle of a storm. See, so the peace of God is not absence of issues or problems. The peace of God is peace or a quietness or a confidence in the middle of storms. Hallelujah. Some of you are going through a storm right now. And the storm is driving you crazy. Well, it's time for you to drive the storm crazy. It's time for you to speak to your storm. Hallelujah. What does Jesus do? He got up. He says, come on, guys. I was in, I was in such a sweet sleep. <sighs> Ye of little faith. Peace be still. All right, leave me alone, okay? Then went right back to bed. <laughs> because for him, it was no issue. These guys were like, don't you care that we're going to perish? And it, would not, it was not going to happen. He was on the boat. Nothing was going to happen. Say to your neighbor, nothing was going to happen. But yet, once a week, you guys think that the world is going to end. No, no, it's, war, it's ending December when? The, world, the 12 or 30? Yeah, that's when the world's going to end. That's such bunk. That's such nonsense. Yeah, remember why 2K, exactly. Yeah. The truth of the matter is, most of the stuff that the enemy presents you is bunk. It's nonsense. It's not going to happen. But we have to start discerning. We have to start thinking and acting like Joshua. God told Joshua, be strong, be courageous. Don't let these things bring you down. We need the God kind of faith. We need the level of faith to rise up within us like never before. And faith comes by hearing, hearing God's word. Amen. See, a message like this will encourage your faith. Why? Because it will center you right back in Almighty God. In Mark chapter 2, uh, verse 1 through 12, there were four men that had a sick friend. And they brought him to Jesus, but Jesus was inside a house, and the house was packed. So no matter what they did, they couldn't get Jesus, con I mean, rather, him connected to Jesus. So most of us, we get one problem, we pray one quick prayer, and nothing happens, so we walk away. You know what these four friends did? They refused to go away without connecting them to the friend. And I love it because the, the, those four guys, they were healthy. They weren't sick. They didn't need the healing anointing of Jesus for themselves. They were there for their friend. Yes. Amen. So you know what they did? They observed the scenario. They received wisdom for the specific situation. They went to the stairs on the side of the house because it was a flat house, flat roof. They went to the roof, brought the friend up, got some ropes, broke the roof. Made a hole through the roof. And then lowered down the sick guy right where Jesus was standing teaching. So imagine Jesus is teaching. He says, and, and you know, he's talking about uh, maybe Matthew chapter 5, Matthew chapter 6. And suddenly, boom, 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 in the world. And I, I, I see Jesus. He's smiling because he's about ready to give one of his teachings on faith right then and there. Meanwhile, the owner, he's going crazy. He probably runs outside. What are you doing? You're insane. This roof is a nice pitch roof. It cost me $10,000. I'm going to sue you. Well, what would you do? 
You're in your house and somebody's breaking through your roof. What would you do? I know what some of you would do. You go to your closet. Who is doing? These guys, they went out of the book. And the wisdom flowed through them. And guess what? As soon as the sick man gets lowered down, Jesus looks at him and says, your sins are forgiven. And the people went, what do you mean sins? Nobody can forgive sins except for God. Well, so you know that the Son of Man has power to forgive sins. Be healed and stand up and walk. Meanwhile, the guy was a paralytic. He couldn't get out. He was sick. He was almost dead. And meanwhile, boom, he receives power right there. He receives energy right there. He starts walking and jumping up and down. So everybody goes crazy. Everybody's flipping out. Now it's just, is Jesus, is he God? And yet that opportunity was impossible. But yet somebody didn't think impossible. You know what impossible is? It hasn't been done yet. Because we're living today in a time where years ago, I don't know how many of you, I'm going to expose my age right now, used to watch Dick Tracy. Remember Dick Tracy? Dick Tracy used to go like this and speak on his watch. Hey, right? And today we have iPhones and we can see each other. But yet years ago, years ago, that was impossible. Star Trek. We're, we're entering into a Star Trek age for crying out loud. I almost expect one day to see a Klingon just walking down the street. <laughs> but of course, that's for you Trekkies. But the truth of the matter is, is that the greatest advancements, the greatest victories, the greatest miracles are about to happen. And they're about to happen among his people. His people are going to be participating in stuff that people thought were crazy. Are you ready for the biggest miracles? Uh, do I have a Joshua here? Do I have a Caleb in here? Do I have a person that's willing to believe God for supernatural things? Hallelujah. Are you going to walk in breakthrough faith? You're not going to take no for an answer. The enemy says you can't do it. Say, oh, no, no, no. You don't know my God. My God can turn things around. If there's no door, he can create a door just for me. I'm going to trust Almighty God. Hallelujah. Amen. In Matthew chapter 8, verse 8, the centurion had a sick person. One of his favorite servants were sick at home. And so uh, some of his other servants say, well, why don't you bring Jesus? He heals. He says, okay, fine. Go get him. So they went to get him. Or rather, I think in this case, he went and he met with him. And Jesus said, I'll go with you. He said, no, no, you don't have to go. Just speak the word. Because I see you're a man of authority. I see, I see that when you speak, things happen. Just speak the word. And I know my servant will be whole. And he looked back. He says, you know, there's not even faith like that in Israel. He says, it's done according to what you have believed. He didn't say, I'm going to go heal him with my word. He said, it's done as you have believed. Somebody here is believing and the enemy has attacked your belief. But today I say it's done as you have believed. Hallelujah. Amen. That's the type of faith we need to activate on earth today. You need to activate that level of faith in your circumstances, in your situations, over your family, in your business. Glory to God. There was a woman with an aggressive flow of blood as a woman. And for 12 years she went to every doctor and nothing would heal her. And she heard about Jesus, his ability to heal. And she went over to see him. And there were throngs, thousands of people around Jesus because everybody was touching him, trying to get something from him. And she says, she looked at the situation, man, this looks kind of difficult. But what, she, what did she do? She started going in and waiting her way in and 
pull, pushing people, pulling others, going underneath, going above. She had to touch Jesus. In her heart, she said, if I just touch him, I know that I'll be healed. But have, have, have you ever been in a throng of people? Have you ever been in a crowd? That could be dangerous. And this woman was sickly. This woman wasn't at 100% energy level. But she went in there, and she knew if all, if she would just touch him. And, you know, she got to the front. You go to a concert and try to touch the, the singers. That is not an easy thing. I've been to many concerts, many conferences, and I try to get over to say hello to somebody, and there are bar barricades and barriers, and then more barriers and more barricades. Everybody's doing that. After a while, they just see, you know, a haze of humanity. You don't see one individual. You see just people. So they don't see you. But she just didn't say, ah. she says, I'm going to touch this guy. She, she broke through. She broke through. She broke through. She kept on breaking through. She kept on breaking through. I'm talking to somebody right now. Breaking through and kept on breaking through. Kept on breaking through. Kept on breaking through. I'm talking to somebody today. Breaking through and breaking through. Didn't give up. She didn't turn away. Breaking through. Breaking through. She kept on pressing in. Kept on pressing in. She didn't give up. And right at that place where she wanted to, she went break through and break through and press in and press in. She didn't give up. She didn't give up. And they push her back and she'd go right in. And then they push her back some more and she would go back in. And then sooner or later, she got in there. Then she went in there. Surprising, her arm didn't break off because of so many people. And she touched the hem of his garment. The second she touched the hem of his gar garment, power came out of his body, flowed into her, and instantly she knew she was healed. She felt that. I don't know if it was electricity. I don't know what it was. She just knew that she felt something, and instantly the blood flow stopped. But what blesses me about this particular experience is that Jesus also stopped. He went, whoa, who touched me? And immediately the disciple says, Jesus, they're all touching you. Everybody's thronging you. What are you talking about? No, no, no. You don't understand. I have just felt virtue come out of my body. He didn't preach a 30-minute message. He didn't open up an altar call. He didn't get everybody online. He says, now in 10 minutes I'll be praying for people. None of that. He was busy teaching and suddenly, whoa, I feel power coming out of my body. Hallelujah. You don't have to wait to a Sunday service till pastor lays his hands on you and, and prays and, you know, and speaks tongues and, you know, and jumps up and down. You don't have to wait till the man of God shows up or the woman of God shows up. This can happen for you at 3 in the morning. It can happen your Monday at, at 5 o'clock in the afternoon. It can happen Wednesday at 2 o'clock in, in the afternoon. It can happen at dinner time. You press in, you press in, you could get that breakthrough and you could receive your miracle from God. What is it that you need from God? Jesus didn't give her permission to do that. You are not supposed to touch the rabbis, especially women, and especially during their monthly deal. They were not supposed to touch them. Now, did this rabbi... In his case, he was a rabbi of rabbis. Did he say, who dare touch me? You're not supposed to touch me. No, the highest level of love manifested through this awesome Savior. He said, forget about the law. She needs to be healed. 
You're waiting for permission. You're waiting for a specific scenario. You're waiting for a special man of God or woman of God to show up. You don't have to wait because it's not about the man. We're just tools. It's about his love. It's about his power. Men come and go. Women come and go. Men fail. Women fail. But God never fails. Hallelujah. We've been putting our eyes on the wrong people. We've been putting it on man. We're celebrating man. We're worshiping man. You need to change that thing around. It's not about this great man or this great woman of God. It's about him. He's great. And he gives us the privilege to partner with him. Hallelujah. And make no mistake about it. We're just tools. We're, 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 it's, it's almost like, you know, you look at a nice house, beautiful house. You spend all this money to build a lavish house. And then you get this rusty hammer. So you, you, nail, you nail the nails into the wall and the rusty hammer worked. And now suddenly the hammer's going to go, that's right, I'm big and bad. No, it, it was just a tool. Hallelujah. So when you lay hands on the sick and somebody gets healed, when you speak a word and suddenly they break down and cry and receive Almighty God, don't think you're big and bad. He gave you the privilege to partner with him at the moment. He's the one that's great. Hallelujah. So we need to stop the hero worship and we need to go to the champion, the true champion, and worship him. And when we do that, we get our lives back in order again. Then we'll see these great miracles that should be commonplace in our churches today. It should be commonplace in your home. It should be commonplace wherever you go because you're the one that brings the presence of God. Hallelujah. Amen. So in closing, I just want to share several verses that, that, that continually flow in my heart. And, and I just so appreciate them. John 10.10, 10, he came to give me life and life in abundance. I've got life and life in abundance abiding in me. Say to your neighbor, you have life and life in abundance. Praise God. What about James 4.2? The reason you don't have is because you don't ask or you're asking wrong. So ask right. Submit to God, give Him the glory, and ask. He wants you to ask. God is pleased when you ask Him. He said, ask and you shall receive. Seek and you shall find. Knock and the door shall be open. He loves it when His people trust Him enough to ask. Hallelujah. The greatest salesmen are the ones that ask a lot more than the average salesman. The greatest salesman is that they go to you and you say, no, I don't need it. Then they ask you again. and No, I don't need it. Then they ask again. No, I don't need it. They send you an email. No, I don't need it. They send you a snail mail. No, I don't need it. They come back again and no, I don't need it. And after the seventh or eighth time, he's okay, fine. Give me 10 boxes of it. Really? Jimbo's hamburgers are great hamburgers. Jimbo's, that's right. Jimbo's thick, nice hamburgers. But yet nobody knows about it. But yet thin cardboard McDonald hamburgers, everybody buys them. Why? Because they're salespeople. They know how to market. They're in your face all the time. You go on the, bu on the bus, buy my hamburgers. You go on the train, buy my hamburgers. You, you, you're on TV, buy my hamburgers. You're sleeping. And you're, you deserve a break today because they drill it in your head. They're not the best burgers, but they know how to market because they ask and ask and they're not afraid to ask. And God said, if we ask, we shall receive. Why then are we afraid to ask? There's several reasons why we don't ask. Either we don't understand and we don't know that we have the right to ask or we're prideful. 
People that are prideful don't want to ask because they don't want to seem like they need anything. So your pride hinders you from asking. I got no amens on that one. But about 12 of you just off the bat need to go to the altar right now. Because you haven't been asking, I don't need nothing. Uh, I'll take care of myself. No, there's some things you need God. Some things you need God. There are times you need Almighty God. Sometimes the situation is too big for you. And you need a little extra on your natural. You need some supernatural anointing to get you over, to get you through, to get you above and beyond. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And, and, and that's, that's why we need to confess these verses to us over and over again. Philippians 4.19. He supplies all of our need according to His riches and glory in Christ Jesus. That means that there is a glory, amen, that when I trust God, even though there's not enough in my natural realm, even though we might have what we call recession, even though we might be losing some jobs or whatever it might be, maybe I lost my job, there is a glory that produces for me something that's not here in my tangible natural realm. Hallelujah. So I'm believing God for miracles even when I can't afford it. Even when in the natural man has told me I can't have it. Even though somebody told me you're not, you're not good enough for it. I don't care. God made me good enough. God turned my situation around. All things are new. Today, you should start confessing to yourself every single day from now on, all things are new. I'm a new creation in Christ. All things are new. The old things, gone, dead, done away with. I'm a new creature in Christ. Maybe you don't know who I was in the past, but that's the key. It was the past. Don't be past-focused. Be future-focused. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Proverbs 3, 6, in all your ways acknowledge him, and he will direct your paths. Psalms 1, 3, all that he does, he prospers. Psalms 23, 6, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. I confess that every single day. Father, I thank you for goodness and mercy that will follow me today. Thank you, Father, that goodness and mercy will follow me today. Thank you, Lord God, that somehow or another, you're going to cause goodness and mercy to flow. Am I have a problem on the job? Thank you, Father, goodness and mercy. I cancel the assignment of the enemy that's trying to bring division, that's trying to bring problems, that's trying to bring misunderstandings. In the name of Jesus, goodness and mercy flows wherever I go. Every day of my life. And I say it because the word of God says it, so that's what I confess. Somebody said, well, you think you're asking too much. No, I'm just getting ready. I'm just beginning to ask. I'm going to zoom up my asking. I'm going to ask more. I'm going to ask abundantly. I'm going to ask because the Bible says that God can do above and beyond all that I can ask or even think. So if I think I'm asking big, God says, you haven't got started yet. Because I can do a lot more than you're even thinking. So if we're thinking small, we're limiting our future and our destiny, our children's future and destiny, our ministry's future and destiny. So it's time for us to turn it around and start thinking big and start believing for big things and start trusting God for... Hallelujah! Hallelujah! Amen! Glory to God! Man... I don't know if you're listening to me. I'm just blessing myself right now. I'm just letting you into my conversation right now. I'm tired of this small stuff. I'm ready to believe God for big things, for supernatural things. I'm ready to believe God that he's going to position me in the right place at the right time. He's going to connect me with the right people. 
He's going to bless me. The goodness and mercy flows in me, through me, in every situation, each and every day. Hallelujah. And the last verse I want to share, 2 Corinthians 2.14. Thanks be to God who always leads us in triumph in Christ Jesus. Always. Say to neighbor, he always leads us in triumph. Amen. Glory to God. So all of us are necessary. All of us are essential. I'm no better than you. The person that apprehends it by faith is the person that gets it. And Joshua, he trusted God. The people that were with Joshua, they trusted God. And you know what happened? They entered in. The previous generation didn't believe. They didn't enter in. What was the determining factor? One refused to believe. The other one trusted God, believed and acted on the word of God. And not only did they enter in, but all the people around them entered in. Because that's what God wants to do. He doesn't just want you to go into an empty island full of blessings all by yourself. He wants you and a community that you're called, you're assigned to, to be able to enter into his promises, into his inheritance. Are you ready today for that? Are you ready for the shift? Are you ready to take that mantle on? Are you ready to receive it in your heart of hearts? Are you ready to stop battling God and say, okay, God, from now on, it's you and me. I've done it all on my own. I've done it enough on my own. Now it's time for me to walk with you. Now it's time for me to journey with you. Now it's time for me to become the person you've called me to be. Because it's not just about me. It's about those that are waiting for me. I am assigned to some people. I am assigned to a community. I am assigned to a family. I am assigned to some friends. I am assigned to some co-workers. I am assigned to a church community. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So say to your neighbor, I be that person. Amen. Let's all stand. Hallelujah. Glory to God. If this truly is a Joshua company here, then get ready. Get ready because the minute you start opening up your mouth like a Joshua, the minute you start opening up your mouth and believing God and confessing his word, and, and you start confiding in his ability in you, Christ in you, the hope of glory, the minute you start being that person that stands in the gap for someone else, you start discipling the nations, they're going to come around you. They're going to call you spiritual dad, spiritual mom. You're going you're to start getting so busy because a lot of homes are going to open up to you. Come here and pray. We need your prayer. We need your wisdom. In the job place, you might get your supervisor asking you for prayer. You might get your co-laborers who hated you before and suddenly now they receive you and say, you know, we need you. You know, you have something we need.